morning, good morning. We are doing everything double today. Twice your pleasure, twice your fun. Juicy fruit gum, the taste, the taste, the taste is going to move you. I said that three times, so I guess we're going triple here on Cloak and Jabber, a Cloak and Dagger podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. That's all you're going to do? That's it? That's it, Pete? You just come in with a little laugh. <laughs> that's that, it. You're out. That's it. That's why uh, okay, you know, that's I'm, all you're I'm do the real the color here. So, you know. <laughs> you're, uh, you're the wild guy on the side doing weather, right? Yeah, exactly. That's your, that's your thing? Nice. All right. Well, we are going to be talking about the second episode of the second season of Cloak and Dagger called White Lines here on the podcast today. A couple of little things to mention. Uh, If you're watching it live on the broadcast, they broadcast the first two episodes together over the course of one night. Super smart decision, which we can talk about in a second, particularly given what went down on the second episode here. Uh, But if you're listening to it later, if you're watching them individually, these are individual podcasts. So this is just recapping White Lines, the second episode. We have our previous podcast episode. Also, we have a regular feature that's not going to appear in this episode, which is our contributor, Brett Macris, who is based in New Orleans, gives us a little bit of New Orleans history every single episode of the show. He'll be uh, contributing some stuff for the third episode of the podcast, talking about the first two episodes of Cloak and Dagger. Did I make that confusing enough, Pete? Yeah, I think you cover that, yeah. Okay, great. I just wanted to twist things around because that's what they did in the episode too. They twisted around all the time. They kept going back and forth and jumping all over the place. So was enjoyable though when it all came together. Oh my it god. Was worth this it. episode well, here's the other thing that I think we should get out of the way up front, right, Pete? Yeah. So first season of the show was I I'd say our most argumentative podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean we had to have I, talks after. It was it was intense. We did. Like serious it was like group therapy talks <laughs> yeah. because you were very mad about this show. Yes, I, I was. It was very hard for me to sit through. And what's even harder is both you guys loved it. Yes. It was easily one of my favorite shows of last year, Which the is first insane. season. We watched so many great shows. I know. I watch even more TV than you guys because it's literally my full-time job. But I thought the way they hit the structure of the show was fantastic. I thought the characters were fantastic. I love the plot. I love the build of the season. Loved everything about it. Um, but you got very stuck on Tandy's behavior. Yeah, exactly. If I correctly, yeah, yeah. Because she was a criminal. Well, no, because she treated people like shit. That's why. I didn't like the way she treated Ty. I didn't like the way she treated her mom. It was just... It's hard to watch somebody who's not like people are handing her lifelines, being like, here, let me help you. And just, you know, like, I understand her past. Like, that's the character, you know. But, man, a whole season of that was really brutal on me. I, I get it. I mean, we we came to sort of a catharsis by the end of the season where you understood it, even if you didn't like it. So now and we've talked about this before, so I know where this is going. Now that we are two episodes into the second season, how are you feeling about Cloak and Dagger, Pete? It's fantastic. It's the greatest show I have. Whoa. Having so much fun. It's just really Oh, good. my God. All That's right, great. Right. It's not the greatest show, but it is. <laughs> uh, what a difference the season makes. Uh, I thought the first episode was fantastic. This one did not let me down. Uh, I mean, it's. I can't wait to get into it. Well, what, uh, so what is different about it for you, do you think? Is it just Tandy? Was that the only thing? Or is there anything else about the season that you're really digging? Uh, 
Yeah, so far it's the fact that Tandy is uh, she's uh, she's great now. She's trying to help other people. She's going to these meetings so she can help people. Like it's it's so much more enjoyable. You know, I gotta say, I wish that made me feel better, but it only makes me more angry at you. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Just because it's like. Yeah, she had some character development. We had to go through this whole yeah, we emotional did. It was experience. Brutal. It was tough. It was very brutal. And now you're like, it's great. Yeah. I don't I don't feel good about that. It's making me feel very weird. Cool. Whatever it is. Let's get into the episode. I'm sorry, uh, man. Re- I don't mean to make no, you feel it, weird. No, it's it's all right. It's all right. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you're on board. I'm very excited about that. I'm mad at past Pete, I think, more than present <laughs> Pete. Uh, so let's talk about what's happened so far because lots of things have got on. There's two characters, Tandy and Ty. They were given mysterious powers after a rocks on oil platform blew up. Uh, Tandy has the power to create light knives and enter people's hopes and dreams and influence them in certain ways. Other things are going on with her powers, which we'll talk about as we get into this episode. Meanwhile, Ty has uh, darker powers. He has teleportation. He uh, can also enter people's fears. And they, in the first season of the show, uh, Ty had the seemingly good life, but was actually very tortured inside. Tandy had the seemingly bad life, but was much more sure of herself. They've switched as we've entered season two. Ty is now on the run for the cops, hiding out in a church. While Tandy has repaired her family life, is together with her mother, who has really cleaned up her act. Yeah, I mean, they literally uh, switched. He went to the church. She went to live with her family. Well, this is the thing that I think is so great and what I loved about the first season, what I'm really digging about the second season as we get into it, is they balance Tandy and Ty so well in terms of what they're doing. Their paths this episode are essentially, to spoil it, and we'll get back to the recap in a second because there's a couple of other things we need to mention. There's a lot we need to mention. There's a lot. There's a lot that went on. Uh, Tandy needs to learn how to harness her anger, and Ty needs to learn how to harness his calm. And both of these things balance each other very well. But to get back to uh, it, there's a third character, super important, Detective Bridget O'Reilly. She died at the end of the last season, and uh, something else crawled out of the swamp. In her wake, uh, we, for the comics, know, oh, she's turning into an anti-hero vigilante called Mayhem. That's what we think is going on. We also had a little bit of suspicion we talked about in the last episode. Ty and Tandy are tracking down these drug dealers or gang members or something like that. We don't know exactly what's going on with them. They were all killed at a club. Ty and Tandy got there too late. They were trying to find information to break the uh, drug ring wide open. The suspicion we had on the last podcast is, oh, yeah, there's like a classic Jekyll and Hyde thing going on with Bridget, where she has this alter ego mayhem that's coming out yeah. and uh, causing havoc and killing people. That's what we thought was going on going yeah, into this episode. Yeah, bait switch here. Huge bait and switch. Yeah. This, what we get to at the end of the episode it was great. Was one of one of the better, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the better twists I think I have seen on TV Also one of the great lines, time. too. Oh, so good. Okay, we'll get there, though. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, you should know about is uh, there is a girl who uh, turns out actually has a name. It's not just Emoji Girl. She's actually named Vita. I kind of want to call her Emoji Girl still. Anyway. She, yeah, she's had mom, a name the whole time. Turns out. Yeah. 
The, uh, who knew? Nobody well, knew. They never used we it on the show that. Before. It was just Emoji Girl was so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep calling her Emoji Girl. She uh, dated Ty. They had a little bit of a romance, but because Ty has had to disappear for eight, year, uh, eight years, eight months, uh, that got pulled on hold a little bit. Her mom is a voodoo priestess who knows something about the divine pairing between Tandy and Ty. And that's where we pick up this episode. Oh, mom. one other thing. Uh, Tandy tried to help out somebody in her group who was being beaten up by her boyfriend that very badly backfired on Tandy when Tandy's attack messing up his apartment made the girlfriend feel badly for him. Yeah. And got back together with him. Yeah. That was so when we pick up though, we are back in the club, back up into club with Tandy oh, and Ty. They're wondering what they should do. Uh, and they notice on the floor is what was it called? A vivet? Yep. Is that what it was? Something like that. It's a very cool-looking symbol on the ground. Yeah. Uh, so they see the symbol on the ground. Uh, there's this awesome montage showing uh, Emoji Girl's mom is making... Oh, yeah, making... she's baking. She has that... Oh, yeah, it was a nice cut shot. Really, was great. And yeah, she's making some stuff in flour, yeah. and then the other dude is making stuff in cocaine on the ground. Of course, the title of the episode is White Lines, so there's a bunch of stuff going on with that, yeah. um, with the vivets, and also, uh, as you know, Pete, cocaine. Right. Right. Yeah. Of course, I've never done cocaine, but yeah. I mean... All right. All right. What? I mean, if you want to say that, if you don't want to put it on tape or anything like that, that's fine. I get it, but I'm just being honest, man. I mean, one time I tried to impress a girl and cut up white Smarties and snorted it, and I swore the stuff off right there. (laughs) Wait. why? How was she supposed to be impressed by that? Well, we were... about to take a test, so the teacher would hand out a roll of Smarties for everybody, right? And so... Okay, so far this is making no sense to me. Go on. All right. Well, you don't believe... That's what the teacher would do. It's kind of a joke. Like, here, sorry, you got to take a test. Here's some, you know, candy. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Did you go to uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory for school? or <laughs> uh, Just a public school, man. Oh, okay. They did not do that at my public school. That's all I'm saying. So wait, to impress the girl, it wasn't like you were like, hey, I got this cocaine here. I'm going to start cocaine. No, I just uh, started crushing up the white Smarties on my desk. And I was like, I'm going to get smarter faster. And I uh, snorted the line as a joke, which she did Uh, laugh at, but it burned in a way that I wasn't ready for. Mm. Did it work, though? Did you guys end up dating or what what happened? (laughs) No, no, we didn't. Um, Oh, huh. All right, so you heard it here first. Don't snort candy and hope to go on a date, you guys listening at home. So uh, they, of course, call Bridget O'Reilly. Again, I feel like I want to walk through this episode walking through my thought process here because I feel so dumb in retrospect. (laughs) But We know too much. We, We know better. Uh, Bridget O'Reilly walks in and I was like, uh, she was just here. Yeah. I know what they're doing on this television show. I'm smarter than this television show. <laughs> um, but she comes in and she's like, you guys got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take care of this for you. And then from this moment where she opens the door, the vey blows away on the floor. Yeah. We essentially split off into three timelines that crisscross over the course of the crisscross. episode. And one thing that I really liked about this was they kind of just went with it. Like they trusted your intelligence to be able to follow going through all these timelines. Yeah. 
without uh, significant visual cues all the time. Like, particularly at the end, when everything starts to come together and things are jumping around all over the place, um, it's great. Like, you can follow what's going on, but it's not linear by any means. How did you feel about that, Pete? Well, it was, uh, I mean, at first I was like, oh, man, we've already seen this. Uh, You know, a little upset. But then when I saw what we were doing, and there was a moment where, like we time bashed back to the hospital and I thought we were going to see Tandy there, but it wasn't at the same time. So I don't know. They did a create, it was creative. We've seen it done a million times, but I don't know. They did it in a way that didn't piss me off and actually flowed nicely. Yeah. It was very heightened because there was such a driving force of the plot behind the episode. To your point, it didn't hook up in the ways you expect. It was not exactly like the classic Groundhog's Day episode or anything like that. So there were those touchstones so you knew where we were, but everybody was on their own path until it comes crashing together in such a big way at the end. Why don't we follow everybody's individual path and talk about that? Do you want to do that? Sure, sure. Do you want to do the cop first? Uh, Kind of and also kind of not. But sure, we, we can do it. So uh, Bridget is drinking in a bar, getting totally wasted. That cheers was pretty good, though. Yeah. Well, she I've watched the episode twice now, actually. (laughs) And the second time it became much clearer because her cheer is to us. It's to a plural person. Like she's saying we in the cheers that she's doing. She is saying we a lot. As we find out later, there may be more than one of her. Uh, which I thought was interesting. But she gets totally wasted. Um, She goes, she helps out the kids, and then comes back to the bar, gets even more wasted at the bar, stumbles outside, almost pukes in a puddle, and then you see her with a much better look. I still felt like, oh, she's just drunk. At that point, I didn't uh, think there was definitely two. Yeah, I mean, the way that they set this up, because you can only see the second one in the puddle, she looks over and she's like, what? Who are you? And the second you is like, you're pathetic, you're disgusting, you're not a cop, you dress up like a cop, you've had your chance, now it's my turn. And again, it seems like that classic Jekyll and Hyde thing where you see the second, you see the double in the mirror, and then your brain switches and suddenly you're evil Bridget or whatever. exactly. And that's the way they kind of played it. And after that, she was caking ass. It was awesome to watch, man. It it was interesting to me. I wasn't quite sure what they were going for yet. Really? And I'm still, there's a lot we don't know about it, but... I, I, I was very much expecting mayhem. Like, this is what the characters called in the comics, and this is what they're probably going to be called on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mayhem to be like, uh, you know, coming in and just kicking ass and not dressed as a cop. She coming sliced in, a exp- pr- priceless piece of art. That was just... Whew. Well, uh, yeah. So what she does is she goes in, she explains exactly how the crime went down, how all the gang members yeah. died, which, of course... This house is built know- on dir- a dirty money. Well, hold on. You're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. She explains to the cops. uh, We can call her Mayhem. Mayhem explains to the cops uh, exactly what went down. Of course, she knows what went down because she did it. She killed everybody and slashed up all the gang members. And she finds out where the last gang member is gone. So that's when she goes to this house. She goes in, explains it's made out of dirty money, slashes a priceless painting, and gets the information of where this dude that got away has gotten to. And she finds out that he has a whole fleet of vehicles uh, that are stashed at this parking lot. 
So that's what's going on with Bridget, except it's not exactly Bridget. It's Mayhem. You can tell them uh, they're different because different lipstick and Mayhem has green nails and Bridget has red nails. Wow. That sucks. I'm colorblind. I didn't pick up on that at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. I, I definitely know this. I'm sorry to make you tell it again, but what colors it's, uh, can't you see? It's, yeah, it's green and red and brown. Oh. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, mainly, so yeah, definitely... it's mainly reds and browns, but like sometimes on nail color Oof. or lip color, I got no chance. Ooh, man, you're going to have a rough time this season, yeah. Pete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she, jumping back, we'll come back to her later. Uh, well, she goes to the yard and she finds Tandy there. But why don't we jump back and talk about what's going on with Tandy? Yeah, but she has that great line, though, where Tandy's like, what are you doing here? She goes, I'm a, goes, I'm a yeah, cop. I she can says, be anywhere a... I want. That's a great line. Yes. So let me ask you a question, actually, while we are hanging on this moment, because uh, Tandy and Mayhem have this conversation. Listening to the dialogue, the way it's played, it wasn't entirely clear to me whether Mayhem knows Tandy or is just taking cues that Tandy knows her and is playing along. See, yeah, I wondered that, too. I mean, I haven't seen the episode twice, but, like, I feel (laughs) like she kind of does. I feel like they share information. Yeah. So what Mayhem says when she walks up is she says something like, what did you get the lost on the way to prom? Which is sort of taking like, that's not what Tandy is at all. And that's not how Bridget knows Tandy. And we know that's not Tandy's character. Yeah, but it's kind of a it's a joke, though. It's kind of like a bust and ball. It's a joke. But then Tandy says to Mayhem. What are you doing yeah, here? You which doing? is a very clear indication of, oh, I know you. Mm-hmm. Which Mayhem then says, I'm a cop. I can do whatever I want. And shoots open the lock. Uh, and at no point does she say Tandy's name or anything like that or seem to know that she has light daggers. So I have a suspicion that Mayhem and Bridget... Or can f- almost like gather a chi ball like Gra- Dragon Ball Z style. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get back to that. Oh, my God. Um Tandy, to jump back, is dealing with her group stuff. Uh, she is very mad at the woman who has gotten back together with her boyfriend. Yeah, she loses it. Completely. Yeah. Completely loses it. Uh, what did you feel about that speech? Because I think, like, there's... I can understand the direction of the group where they're saying, we're just here to listen, we're not here to judge. But I also understand Tandy's anger at the same time. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was so concise <laughs> and exactly on point. And what's great was it was so good, it really worked on her. She didn't on go the back. the woman? The woman? Yeah. She didn't go back because she was kidnapped by body snatchers. Yeah, but beat. I think she was on her way out anyway. I don't think she was. Uh, I don't know. The body snatchers got her. Yeah. I don't know, in my mind, I, I think the speech worked. I mean, she was out of line, but, you know, sometimes you need a little tough love, man. Sure. Well, so what happens is, uh, I don't know how much of the season this necessarily is going to be, though I believe probably a chunk of it, is we're dealing with human trafficking this season. That's what's going on. It's not even really just drug dealing. Um, As Tandy finds out, when she visits the neighborhood where the woman lives, uh, she hooks up with, I guess, a social worker? Is that what he was? Or something like that? I don't know. 
Another teacher? I okay, don't know. so yeah, she hooks up with a social worker, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, or some other group therapist, and they're walking along, and they find out that women have been disappearing from the neighborhood, and the man has a very pointed speech for her about, yeah, if it was somebody who looked like you, it was blonde yeah, and pretty. Yeah, that was very powerful. Yes, then absolutely, you'd be, uh, everybody would know about it in New Orleans, but because it's brown women, they're just gone. Yeah. That's it. That. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a great powerful like, moment that they put in there. I'm so glad they did. Yeah, well, I'm, it's something that they did really well and really nicely in the first season, too, is yeah. dealing with racial politics. Yeah. and uh, Especially the police just, brutality was awesome. It was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think police brutality is awesome? Is that what you're saying? Fuck Pete? you, man. No, I do not think that. I don't know. That's, I think, what you just said. You're, that's entrapment, man. <laughs> I have it. I have a recording. I have a recording on. <laughs> You're an I've been asshole. taping this whole thing, Pete. All right. Well, anyway, so uh, Teddy finds out that uh, she gets pretty upset about it and uh, proceeds to track down. She goes to the hospital, goes into the dream of the woman who is basically comatose. Yeah. So we get to see this black world except for the two windows of the ambulance that she was taken in and she sees her being shoot, uh, shot up with heroin uh, but she also sees a very distinctive sign which helps her track down where the guy has parked his ambulance yeah. and that's where she ends up meeting with Bridget. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about Tandy at this point? Oh, one other thing that we should actually mention is she's seeing her dad. Her dad, even though he is dead, and we found out last season that her dad is an abuser, so a lot of what she is saying to this woman, a lot of her speech, a lot of what's going on in the episode is really about her talking to her mom, not to this woman at all. Yeah, Yeah, she's having a tough time hanging out with her mom right now. Yeah. But when she's with the social worker, she sees her dad walking across the street and freaks out and causes things to explode. Which is new. Yeah. What do you think's going on there, Pete? I don't know. It came at a weird time where I couldn't tell if that guy was part of the ring of like driving ambulances or not, or if he was just working at the same place. Because like somebody's, if the connection is that these women are the people who are in those like kind of uh, help group things, then, you know, I don't know. But um, I almost thought it was like a warning a little bit. That she needed to get away from there, but that's interesting. I didn't really think about that. I mean, there could be this guy seems like a nice guy, certainly, and he seems like a new ally for them. But yeah, I mean, what if he is the conduit? What if he's finding women who need help and then feeding them to this human trafficking yeah, ring? Exactly. I think that actually seems pretty fair. Um, the main thing that I'm wondering about is her dad because it seems like a stress thing, but. As we have learned with the show, they don't waste any details. There's nothing thrown in there. So I feel like it might be something more. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's a ghost or what's going on, but there's something going on there. Yeah, it's super creepy. Right. And then the other thing is that she is starting to lose control of her powers and cause lights and things to explode around her. That also happens when she goes into the hospital room. But then... She figures out a way to harness it, which... Yeah, but uh, I was a little concerned that she ran out of the hospital room, and I was like, oh, great, tell somebody, I think you blow up some of those (laughs) things keeping that lady in the coma. But she was like, hey, who brought this guy in here? I was like, and also somebody check on the equipment, right? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I think we're going to see more of the equipment next episode. (laughs) What's going on with the hospital equipment. We just got to find out. Yeah. yeah. It's important. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, she's, she's kind of losing control, but it's just, it's just emotional reaction. I don't think it really, she can still use her powers when she needs to. It seems like. Yeah, I think so. There is, there is again, I think, something more going on there in terms of her powers developing. Ties aren't freaking out necessarily in the same way, mm-hmm. um, but he's almost going in the opposite direction as he figures out new ways of using his power and honing in on people. Let's talk um, about just, that. Well, let's finish up the Tandy stuff okay. because there's a little bit before she hooks up with him again. So she comes in with mayhem. Uh, They see the guy. They chase him down. Uh, Tandy is running, 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 causing lights to explode all over the place. Dude hops in his ambulance, is driving straight at her. And as you mentioned, she Dragon Ball Z's out. It turns into Dragon Ball Z. Straight up, she's like, ah, you. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you must love that. You love Dragon Ball Z. It was really fantastic. It was really yeah. fantastic. Do you think to she's watch. gonna get that? Uh, I've never watched Dragon Ball Z, but do you think she's gonna get that tall hair the dude has? I was hoping she would. Uh, her hair color would change, and she would float a little bit off the ground. It'd be fantastic. Ah, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. She'll go Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan. Is that what it is? Super Saiyan, Saiyan. Super Saiyan. Yeah, yeah. That was what I was Super Saiyan to you. I mean, also, I mean, some that you get the reference of. It was almost like you know a Street Fighter or you kick thing, you know, where she was, you know. Gathering the chi and then shooting it out. Thank you. Thank you for talking about something that I can finally understand, Pete. <laughs> Street Fighter. Yeah. Uh, so she blows up the ambulance, uh, and then they question the guy. They try to find out where they took the woman. He says, listen, I don't know. I just picked them up. I didn't shoot her full of heroin. That wasn't my thing. Um, I just drive the ambulances. That's my whole job. Yeah, yeah. The old I just drive. Right. And so Tandy leaves to go get help, I think, or something like that. Uh, And then Mayhem takes the opportunity to say, I believe you, and slits the dude's throat with her green nails. Yep. Let's go back to Ty and what's going on with Ty. So meanwhile, Ty Ty is... Oh, go ahead. Well, Ty's been doing a little light stalking of his family and, you know... X, if you will, emoji girl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he finally smarts up and goes, okay, I need to see the, you know, the lady who knows at least more than I do, which I thought was super smart of him to finally kind of realize, okay, I've got to start talking to somebody. Please. The, the lady has a name. It is Mrs. Emoji Girl. <laughs> I don't actually know her name. We should look it up at some point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, he goes in to get some help with the vivet because he doesn't know what it is. Uh, she recognizes it and explains to him that it's a way of praying. He scoffs at praying and she says, look, praying is about quieting your mind enough so that you can hear what your soul has to say. Yeah, that's which, Fantastic. I think that's the best explanation I've ever heard of praying in my entire life. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I loved her talking about, like, it doesn't matter what God you worship. It doesn't matter what your religion is. That's what it's about. And that was so smart and so interesting. It's also kind of what meditation is about. I mean, it was just Mm -hmm. so cool. 
Yeah. Uh, so she uh, explains the vivet to him. Uh, she also sets up her own vivet, which is a crossroads vivet, uh, that'll show him the path he needs to go. And he says, where, where is it taking me? And that emoji girl walks in and she is pissed. Oh yeah. She is for good reason. Yeah. Talk us through that one, Pete. You're, you're the captain of the piss ship. (laughs) So that came out wrong. uh, She storms out and he chases after her and he's like, listen, I'm you know sorry whatever and he smartly decides I'll show her my powers, which only makes her angrier because she's like you could have done that the whole time eight months and it was so heartbreaking and beautiful the fact that like she's also hurt just like he's kind of hurt um, and yeah it was it was she was right she was like you should have said something you were let me know you're okay yeah. She was right. Yeah, she's absolutely right. I did want to talk about the powers thing a little bit because we touched on this in the first season of the podcast. And this is one thing, another thing that I think this show does that is very cool and very smart. It takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Right. Like they don't spend a lot of time like the Netflix shows being like, what's going on with green guy and Mr. Captain Shields, you know, and all these things where they dance around everything. They don't really only made, right? But uh, all right, all right. It, it sucks. We all agree. Oh, come it sucks, on, man. That's not cool. No, man. no. I, I like the first season of Luke Cage quite a bit. Uh, but the, other than a couple of references, they did make a reference to Misty Knight from Luke Cage last season. They have the Rocks on Oil Company that's popped up all over the Marvel Universe. Yeah. There's been a couple of other references here and there. But for the most part, they keep it as its own separate thing. But the one thing I think they do well without ever speaking about it is powers because there was no conversation from emoji girl. It was like, Whoa, how are you doing that? Yeah. What's happening? Because they live in a world where aliens have attacked New York city and there's people with powers all over the place. So she understands implicitly also, what powers are. She's used to stuff like that. Yeah. Mardi Gras. Yeah. That, that gets nuts. Yeah. That's basically like a superpower celebration. <laughs> But really, I, I think I think it's very impressive to just have her roll with that rather than go through the typical tropes of that sort of reveal. Uh, and it's great. It, it Again, it doesn't play down to the intelligence of the audience. It lets you go along with the ride. The only thing that kind of uh, I worry about is, like, I'm worried that in New Orleans, and we got to ask Brett Macris about this, if there's any cameras, because he's using his powers all over the place, and at some point some camera's got to catch this guy you know, zipping in and out a little bit, you know? Yeah, Brett, when you listen to this podcast, let us know if there are any cameras in New Orleans, (laughs) like if they have any cameras (laughs) at all, or is there just no film allowed once you get to the border, or what's going on? I feel like someone would have caught him already. My big question with that is, why hasn't Emerald said anything, you know? (laughs) Like... What does he have to say about what's going on? What's go? What is his take on the human trafficking? Uh, does he have anything to say about mayhem? Can he tell her nails apart? He probably. Can. These are the sort of things we need to know in upcoming episodes. <laughs> uh, so, getting back to Ty, he does tell the Boji girl she gets pissed. She stalks off. Um, he. Uh, uh, tries to do the vivet again, and he just. Uh, oh, we should mention uh, he does the vivet, yeah. jumps into the ambulance, sees the woman, and then dude pulls a shotgun on him and he jumps out. Right. Which was so, tough. Like, it, it was a tough decision to leave her in the ambulance. Yeah. Uh, and then he can't do it again because he's psyching himself out too much. Yeah. 
until Emoji Girl comes back, teaches him to calm down his mind, uh, and they jump together to a hospital where they see the woman, uh, and then the cops come in, not necessarily looking for Ty, but that's not good news for Ty, so they have a little bit of a switch. Oh, the old, hey, cops are coming, we should kiss and make out a little yeah. bit. Oh. That's what I do every single time I see a cop on the street, and I just grab somebody and I start making out with them because I don't want, you know, just in case. Wow, wow. Yeah. And then the cops get me for assault. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it's not a good idea. You should probably stop No, it's doing terrible. It. <laughs> Nobody should do that. It's a very bad idea. Yeah. Um, so they end up smoocherooing again after that, but yeah. for real this time. On purpose. Yes, on purpose. Uh, and we're... Uh, after that, I think that's when he makes the decision to go over to Bridget's place, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he heads over to Bridget's place. He wants to apologize to her because he messed up their drug sting. She was super mad at them when she found them up into club uh, with all the dead bodies and everything. Uh, and he hears some from behind the door, so he breaks in and he finds her tied up there. Yeah. And... Again, I want to get back to, like, how dumb I feel after watching this episode. But even as a viewer, I was like, okay, okay, so she tied herself up. All right, I'm, I'm with this. She was uh, with Tandy, maybe, and then tied herself up. And this is her, like, pulling a trick yeah, on yeah. Ty or something. Is that what's going on? Okay, I, I think this kind of makes sense. We'll we'll follow along. Uh, and then, then he, she he goes oh, to, he takes them to Ty. He's basically like, all right, let's find to Tandy. Yeah, Tandy. Yeah, uh, because she says, listen, we're in danger. All three of us are in danger. She's going to find us. Uh, still thinking this is some sort of Jekyll and Hyde type thing. Uh, and Ty jumps to where Tandy is. They find her immediately afterward. She has left the dude at the ambulance. We know back at the ambulance, Bridget has slit the dude's throat. And uh, she says, wait, Bridget, if you're over here, who's... Yeah. Again, I don't want to keep talking about this, but I was still like, all right, so she teleports from place to place. I get it. I see what's going on here. Definitely on board. This is all very clear to me. And then they walk over, and they see and Bridget there. She's like, gets the cats out of the bag. It's so such a great line. The way that whole thing was staged, the way the music played in the background, we've talked a lot on the podcast about how well this show uses music, but the music keeps building and building and building in the background until we have this reveal of both of them, the cat's out of the bag, oh. as you said, and then the fi- that final shot, all four of them in the tra- frame, Bridget looking at Mayhem, Ty and Teddy, completely confused in the middle, and then we cut to black, and that's it for the episode. Phenomenal cliffhanger. Phenomenal. Absolutely yes. phenomenal. Oh, my God. So good. This show... I'm so glad you're on board, Pete. That is actually a relief to me. Yeah. Because the show is so well-structured. The characters are so good. It's so deep. This episode... I mentioned this at the beginning, but uh, when we talked about the first episode of the podcast, I felt like it was very well done, uh, but it I wasn't quite sure of the direction we were going with the season yet at the end of the first episode uh, versus season one. It felt very clear where we were heading, even though there were tons of surprises along the way. But airing these two episodes back to back the way they did on Freeform, 
very smart thing to do because that you watch the first episode, you're like, wow, this is really good. You watch the second episode, you're like, I need to see the third episode right now, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else you want to add about the episode? Anything we missed or yes, skipped over? The, the one part I want to talk about was when the lady detective, we went back one time and you're like, okay, she's going to stay, call this in or whatever. She calls 911 as somebody else mm-hmm. and tells them what's going on and then leaves. I There's a lot more information we need to get about what's going on with Bridget and Mayhem, right? Right, because... but I was like, why would a cop do that? And now it's like, oh, maybe because she's so drunk, she doesn't want to. I think part of it is protecting Ty and Tandy. Yeah. You know, uh, she doesn't want that connection there. Uh, at the time, while I was watching it, I thought, oh, okay, that's because she's mayhem and she did it. But I don't think, I mean, she's not mayhem and she didn't do it. Oh, so we're she not wasn't quite sure. mayhem for that? I thought she was. No, she was Bridget for that, oh. as far as we know. Well, what color were but the nails? I, I They were red. Okay. I think we're going to get a little bit of a flashback again and show what happened after she came out of that swamp, how there are two bridges, essentially, or at least there has to be some sort of explanation coming because <laughs> that is such a mind-bending twist. So I'm sure we'll come back to that moment in other moments as we go forward in the show. Uh, anything else you want to bring up, Pete? Uh, no, I'm just really glad how they handled the emoji family getting back in this in a part of the show, because uh, it's such a cool part. And one of the reasons there, you know, you have this great setting like New Orleans to just kind of like use great characters like that. And um, yeah, and so far it, it just uh, it feels really natural. I'm also glad that like instead of being a stalker, he's actually going to uh, try to continue seeing Emoji Girl. Yeah, and I'm also glad uh, that the movie didn't really pan out. You know, if they had gone with an Emoji movie, too, I think we wouldn't have gotten those cast members back. But happily, the movie didn't do well, so they're back on board for season two of Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, yeah, works out really well for us. It's great. Before we wrap up for this episode, Pete, Cloak or Dagger? Which one are you going to go with, Cloak or Dagger? Who won the episode? That's what we do on this show. I'm going to say Dagger. Yeah? Why's that? And that's a huge change from season one. Yep. Yeah. You look, I, I can see your face right now. You look shocked <laughs> that you're even saying this out loud. Yeah, but I just think that, like, uh, first off, anytime you're throwing chi balls around, like Dragon Ball Z, uh, you know, you win. So, um, but also the fact that, like, uh, I just love this growth in this character. Yeah, uh, I'm actually also going to go with Dagger this episode. I like the stuff that was going on with Cloak. Obviously, we talked about the religion stuff, and I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but what Tandy is doing, the way that her dialogue is written this episode, there's at least two, if not more, layers to everything that's going on, where she's pursuing this woman, but really talking about her past and trying to move past it. The way, like you said, her harnessing her anger is so powerful. There's, we didn't mention this, but when she finally does the Dragon Ball Z moment, she uh, flashes back through all the things that have made her furious. Yeah. And she uses that to power her energy burst. Uh, very well done sequence. Very powerful across the board. Uh, Olivia Holt is great on this show, but uh, I really enjoyed her this episode in particular. Yeah, I also think that uh, the lady detective deserves, uh, may- well, Mayhem really was such a delight to watch this episode. 
yeah, she's great. She's definitely stepped up to play, and I'm excited. I'm very curious to see how this ties into the overall mythology of the show. Um, I'm, I feel like I, and I clearly I was wrong about this episode entirely, but I feel like I'm starting to understand it a little better because one of the questions in my mind with mayhem was, we know this power that created cloak and dagger created a divine pairing, right? right. Two opposites. With Mayhem, it didn't seem so clear to me. We talked about this on the first episode of the podcast for the season, but that Mayhem, it felt like, okay, maybe they're doing two sides of the same coin, but one in body. Nope. Since they're two bodies, I'm now curious, does Bridget have powers? We know Mayhem sort of has powers, but does Bridget have something as well? You know? I don't know. I think we'll find out going forward. Cool. Cool. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by and we'll uh, slit your throats. What do you want to say? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, let's not Too much? Say do some so, cocaine? No, let's say shake Snort their some hand. Nice to meet you. A high five, maybe. Fist bump. Tell you what, come by the show, we'll smash some Smarties and we'll snort them right in front of you. Uh, Pete, what else do you want to plug? Don't do that. It hurts. Uh... <laughs> Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live and ComicBookClubLive.com for this uh, podcast and many more. And if I see you on the street, get ready for a smooching. <laughs> oh, man.